Blog Talk Radio. featuring Elvira Love and Phoenix LaFay, two out-of-the-room-closet professional witches with over 70 years combined experience of making magic. This is a show on the LMC Radio Network. During each show, Elvira and Phoenix will help you create rituals, make spells, make potions, and much more besides. They'll spend time speaking about different goddesses from all over the world, paying attention to the ancient reverence of long-ago cultures and infusing it with a modern perspective. Elvira, Phoenix, take it away. Here we go. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Yay. We are Mm -hmm. on a roll. So it's kind of getting a little it's it's weird i went to walk my dogs and i noticed that we're getting clouds but it's not cooling down it's just looking kind of morbidly gray outside <laughs> yeah they keep not saying that rain I'm is being... coming and i know we need the rain but i'm okay for it to not rain right now if that is terrible i apologize <laughs> but i'm i've been liking this like a little bit of warmth and dryness it's making me feel yeah. better. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I know the feeling. It, it, it's that half and half. I was talking to my daughter who's in Arkansas, and she's saying, well, it was warm, and then it got really cold again, and then it got warm again, but it's really cold now. And, you know, they've had <laughs> – so their weather is more dramatic in those swings than we are. See, I mean, we've been cold, then we get warm, but we get cold at night. I noticed that it it's gets – cold enough at night to still want to stay mm-hmm. bundled up, but not, yeah, you know, that's true. when it's been so, it's I don't care what we want to call it, it's just strange weather it is so, yeah, the so world that, is strange but, right now in many ways oh, really, truly, truly it's kind of I don't know, I did a bunch of errands yesterday and, you know, was wandering around and it wasn't that it was less it's just it's it's there's a sense of subduedness that's running around. Yeah. Which, you know, yeah. That's the best best way I can describe what I'm I'm kind of catching here. But anyway, what did you what has your week been like since we last communed on radio? Yeah. Uh, well, let's see. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
so I just gonna, I'm going to name the fact that the coronavirus is a huge hot button topic uh, right now, and that there is a case in California that's just been revealed as the first mystery infection. But I don't want to talk about it because it's giving me anxiety, and I'm sure other people are having anxiety, and that's a really great way to suppress your immune system, and we all need strong immune systems. So meditate, breathe deep breaths, and take your uh, probiotics and your immune-boosting things. So I'll just say that so we can get it out of the way. Um, I have a Baba Yaga class tonight, so my, my friend and I are hosting a ritual and a a devotional for Baba Yaga, and I'm also in the process of writing uh, a piece about Baba Yaga for the Witch's Almanac, which is like a huge, huge thing for me. I've been reading the Witch's Almanac since I was 15, and I was invited to write a piece for it for the 2021 calendar, and I'm like so excited and blown away and having some like major uh, imposter syndrome uh, but it's I'm like all Baba Yaga all the time right now, so I'm also feeling mm-hmm. a lot of that energy. And you know, she likes to shake things up, and she doesn't do it gently. So I'm feeling some of that, and how um, dealing with some of my self-limiting beliefs and making different choices. And so it's been really good, but hard. It's hard work, uh, but I feel mm-hmm. like you know it's when you um, do a cleanse and you have to get through all the yucky stuff before you start to feel better, you know, I'm like at the tail end of the yucky stuff and starting to Mm -hmm. feel like I can see how much this is helping me as Mm -hmm. a human. So it's, it's, it's like an intense moment for my life right now, but in all the best ways. Hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. 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 How about you? How's your week? Well, it's been interesting. I mean, obviously, because I am taking a class from you, and again, mm-hmm. walk you know, walking in beauty and the beauty pentacle, and you know the, the the you know the whole point of reference here is is that your your challenge, which I think we discussed on Friday, last Friday, um, has still kept me on my toes about telling the truth. And there have been mm-hmm. various things that have happened where it has put me in a position where I I have a tendency to be too blunt when I do tell the truth, and I have learned over the years <laughs> of quality. You know, Sag is just, you know, we just don't go there. Um, but I have also found that sometimes I am a really good liar, you know, when it comes to yeah telling a yarn and keeping things, you know, out of uh, what would be the truth. So it's been really very um, interesting for me to do this. And uh, as I said, there have been some tests on the way, which I felt, you know, sometimes I've shifted the discussion in a way or changed avenues on something, but I haven't necessarily made an untruth, I just thought, well, look over there at that pretty rabbit instead of we're looking at this, you know, whatever it is. But, um, yeah. and then in general, it's the confrontation of our things that are going on around us, um, being single and, you know, mm-hmm. on my own. It, uh, there's an empowering, but there's also a very interesting process that goes with, well, there's no one I can really 
quote, turn to, to have, you know, kind of help mm-hmm. here. So that's another, you know, thing, getting my slowly, slowly changing um, my um, altars and redoing them in a way <clears throat> that will not be an altar-like look for, you know, when I, you know, put my place on the market. And in general, right. it... Um, each one of them has, has it's, it's very interesting. It's very empowering because I've suddenly taken all the little chachi things that I have, you know, like gathered and taken them and put them away, but not necessarily mm-hmm. got rid of them. And it changes how I feel about, you know, what's going on energetically. So I kind of right. realized, and I think that's good. Um, and then in you know, yeah. anything else has been, you know, the class has been really good because, you know, the women are really dedicated to what they're doing, and I like that. Um, it's funny you talk about writing, and I love to write, and I want, you know, I have I've written scripts. I've done things like that in my earlier youth, mm-hmm. and I, you know, feel that I have been, I don't want to say sidetracked, but it's been parked on the side because I've had all these other things going on. And I actually look forward to moving to Arkansas, not because I'm in retirement. It's more that it's a different pace of life. It is economically less um, high value, high price, high push. So I still have to obviously make money to live, but... I'm looking yeah. at that as going, that's going to be the time when I can truly tap into something that I've been not able to because my mind is so involved. And as I say, when you're, when you're on your own and you're, you're really pushing all the boundaries and you're trying to do all these things, you, you kind of lose your ability to go, I'm taking creative time to let things suck in because then I look at everything and I go, well, I got to go vacuum or I got to go grocery shop. You know, so it's um, a new, what I'm, I'm hoping my new chapter will be is, is more of that creative process. And I know it will be. So that's, I've been observing that it's been coming out and I think it's because of the walking and beauty class because it's, there's mm-hmm. many parts of that, that as we've gone through, I found it's, there are parts of it deeper now that I have been observing rather than just what's happening on the day-to-day experience. But esoteric as that may be, we, we need to... No, thank you, thank you. It's it, it, you know, pat, pat, pat. Um, so we are on our journey today with another uh, major arcana card. It's the High Priestess, yeah. which, you know, um, I will post. I took a picture, but Mercury retrograde. I got behind in time. I will post on our Facebook page um, as to all the cards that I found that I could put the high priestess out. And so I will do that. But for our listeners, it hasn't gone on yet. It'll be there by the time you choose to listen on a podcast. But um, so um, we we always start with the rider deck because it is the most common. Yeah. So. I turn it over to you to begin this journey with High Priestess. Yeah, I love the High Priestess card. It is 
uh, one of my favorites. Um, you know, I, always, I think it's funny that uh, we have favorite cards. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. not all of my yeah. favorite cards are like the positive love and light cards. Some of, like the Eight of Swords is my absolute favorite card in the entire tarot deck. Um, some other time I'll get into an explanation of why that is. And maybe I've talked about it before. I don't know. But um, I love the High Priestess. And the reason I love the High Priestess is because it is a detached card. There's not a lot of emotion, in my opinion. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. Before I go into, like, the depth of the, the history of this card, I just have to speak to my feelings because it feels so – because I am so attached to this card and, and – when it shows up, when this card shows up and I'm reading, I always say, oh, you need to pause. The high priestess is in your path. And she's standing there and she's blocking the way and she wants to know where you're going and why. And she doesn't care what the answer is and there's not a right or wrong answer. She wants to make sure you know what the answer is. So I always Mm -hmm. take the high priestess as it's this pause, it's this moment before you get access to to mystery before you get access to something deeper before you get access to the next big thing. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, and that you have to make sure you know what the answers are not for her. She doesn't give a shit, but for your own self and your own value and your own worth. And that, you know, I know that that's not all necessarily a very traditional way of looking at it, but that is, for, that's how I hold it. So it's just interesting what cards mm-hmm. we get an attachment to, you know? So, it's, and it's also, it's, isn't it, would you, would you, let's take a moment and step aside from what the card represents, but when that you say something like that, to me, I see, well, if that is the card, you, you know, I mean, certain cards you're attached to or you really feel about them, whether they're the positive or negative, it's what is, my feeling is what am I being challenged to participate in? Meaning as high priestess, the detachment, I mean, being so attached and so involved with so many things or doing whatever it is, the opposite, of course, is the non-attachment of this card. And it's interesting that, Mm -hmm. you know, there are four different cards we, we, as you say, we get involved with them. We really do. Right. I've always liked the High Priestess um, for many different reasons. I mean, I, of course, I love the term High Priestess. I mean, I think that's so great. Yeah. Um, but it it does have the total aspect of esoterica and the mystery and all of that. And I think that's probably why I, I seem to, every time it comes up, I get like, oh, that's, that's you know, blah, you know, and I go there, so. Now that I've yeah. expressed my personal feeling about the high priestess, we will, we will be more appropriate and, and go to its its delicate meanings and um, innuendos yes. here. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And one of the things I really love about this card is that its original older name was La Papesse, the Popess. And there is some who believe that this is in relationship to Pope Joan, who was it's Pope Joan is a crazy freaking story in the um, middle ages. I think I mean, let me see if I can find the answer in my notes real quick. Yeah. So in the, in the 800s, in the 800s, uh, there was a woman Pope, 
believed to be the only woman pope that there's ever been. Uh, and she was, uh, and it, and then a, later she was written about. So it could have been as early as the 800s. It could have been later in the 1200s. It's uncertain. But she lied about being a woman. She um, disguised herself as a man. Uh, and one of the versions of the story is that she dis- disguised herself as a man often because her lover requested her to, which throws a whole monkey wrench in the works about the popes having to be celibate, right? Because that's a newer rule in the Catholic Church about uh, about church people having to be celibate. Um, But she gave birth (laughs) during a procession, in the middle of a procession, gave birth and then died shortly after the baby was born. And some people believe that she was murdered, some people believed it was natural causes related to the complexity of giving birth to babies, blah, blah, blah. We don't know, but she's become, Pope Joan has become this icon for many, especially radical people in the Catholic Church, uh, showing about uh, how women can be in leadership, how women should be in leadership, and how you know this story of this woman survived. So who knows if, if the high priestess origins are connected to Pope Joan or not. But I kind of mm-hmm. love it. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I love that kind of stuff where there's this radical underpinnings of a story related to it. Mm-hmm. Um, when the when Rider Waite created their deck, which is, you know, the deck most of us know, and we've said this every week where we've talked about the major arcana is we really are going based off the Rider Waite system, they felt like La Papas, the, the popus was so confusing to people who were not Catholic that they changed the name to the high priestess. So even before the early 1900s, it's not unusual to find cards that refer to the high priestess as la papas or the popus or, you know, a, the female version of the word pope. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that, yes. Definitely, and it's interesting because, believe it or not, and I will have to go and research on this, I actually have a book. It's a storybook, but it was about mm-hmm. the Popus, the, you know, Pope Joan, and I had bought it, and I was going to read it, and then I don't remember something happened, but it's in my library, and a hard, you know, basically, well, now it's a softback, it's not hardback, but it's in physical form, um, not an audio or uh digital or, you know, any of that. But, yeah, it always intrigued me. Of course, you know, part of my background is, you know, not Catholic, but Italian. So there's this part that is rebellious to saying, I'm more the strega and even farther than that, I am so far that I'm not even that, or the, the heritage of all this, this Catholicism and everything that has, you know, permeated Italy and, and, and that particular area. So it's, it's, I was really intrigued by it. Still am. Probably will, now that we're talking about it, I'll probably go dig the book out and read it, which is a good idea. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. What, so this is so stupid and has nothing to do with our topic, but I just can't help it. So in the <laughs> 90s, 1990s, there was a sketch comedy show on MTV called The State. And I loved this show. I still love it. I own all of the episodes of it. On I found it on Amazon and bought, I got all of them. I, I just love it. Mm-hmm. It's so cheesy and terrible. And it's, very, it's 
some of it has survived time and some of it has not. It's very 1990s humor. So if you, you know, are into that, go find the state. But there's this one episode, this one skit where they're like an Italian family who owns an Italian restaurant. And it's very like ridiculous, over the top American Italian dramatics. And mm-hmm. the Pope is coming. The Pope is coming to their restaurant, and they're so excited because they're, you know, Italian Catholics. They're so excited that the Pope's coming, and all of these mishaps and shenanigans and problems happen. That like they spill marinara sauce all over their white clothes, and and the the candlesticks burn the the wall, and all this crazy stuff. And every time <laughs> one of the actors turns and looks at the camera and goes, "And the Pope is a coming." <laughs> Every time, literally every time someone says the word Pope, that is the answer in my head. And the Pope is a comedy. It's so ridiculous. I know. Yeah. But there you go. <laughs> hey, you know, it it there are certain things that will always be etched in our in our mind where there are people who have either made a, a statement in comedy or in drama that relate yeah. to the spiritual world in a very off-the-wall way. And and this is a card that it is, you know, I was I was sort of catching up on, on the writer concept and even Paul Foster Case, who I actually, I really love Paul Foster Case's um, <clears throat> information. Um, it is esoteric yeah. and it does help a different, in a different form. Um, but it was really about relating the virginal aspect in a masculine patriarchal way, not in the, um, I'll call it our revisionist point of reference, um, but we, we've, we, in how it has been put in and the overlays and, and rereading some of the, the, the notes and the, and the little excerpts that I have you know, put together, it was like I was going, I am so far truly using all of these concepts when I read with this card, when it comes up for me. It's just like, wow, yeah. that's so far away. <laughs> hmm Right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and, and the, so in the artwork, should we get into that before we get yeah. too close to our break? The, the yeah, artwork that writer Waite charged Smith to create, the high priestess is sitting between the two pillars. So there's a, a cloaked woman. She's all in blue and white. Remember from our previous calls about this topic, all of the coloration in these cards has significant spiritual meaning. So here we have blue and white. She's cloaked in it. She has a, a cross on her chest, but it's not a cross. It's, a, it's more like a plus sign, right? It's not shaped like a cross. So there's something there to pay attention to. She's mm-hmm. sitting on a cement block, and on either side of her are cement pillars. One is black and one is gray or, or white, depending on who you ask, but it's gray. On the black pillar is the letter B, and on the gray pillar is the letter J, uh, and these refer to Boaz and I don't know how to pronounce that. It's a Hebrew word. Hashim. I thought it was Joaquin. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Joaquin. I don't know how to pronounce it. I've read it a million times. Um, but these are Freemasonry concepts taken straight out of Freemasonry. Uh, at her feet, and, and as her dress, she's seated. She's got the Torah in her arms. Uh, she's wearing an, an Isian crown, the crown of Isis, with the horns and the full moon in the center of it. 
mm-hmm. as her mm-hmm. dress cascades to her feet, it begins to look like water. It cascades a little bit and flows and looks like water. And then there is a crescent moon uh, at her feet to the the left side or right, I guess, our, her left, our right, looking at the card. And then behind mm-hmm. her is a is a fabric or a tapestry or a curtain. I've heard it described many different ways. And on the curtain are pomegranates, which is that all, just the tapestry alone is filled with so much um, information and symbolism and interesting things to note. Uh, but I feel like, you know, the other cards definitely have lots of, the, the cards you've already talked about, the magician and the fool, they have lots mm-hmm. of symbolism in them. But for some reason, the high priestess feels like there's so much more. And maybe it's because of what she she represents, like behind that that fabric, behind mm-hmm. her, behind that embroidery are all the answers to the universe. Maybe that's why it feels so intense. But I feel like right. there's so much intense messages messages hided, hiding mm-hmm. in this, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, there's the the it's pomegranates and palms, and you know, um, the palm oh, yeah. is the masculine as the pomegranate is the feminine. So it it also goes back and shows the black, the white, the masculine, the feminine, the the constructs. So there's a lot of um, Balancing an equilibrium here that they're showing, like here is this one and this one, and they're 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 of equal value. It has nothing to do with one more than the other because this is basically is the unmanifested potentiality in behind. It's it's the it's not even unmanifested. You can just go behind the the, the veil and you will you will get mm-hmm. it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said I'm looking at my notes. I said I see in. Um, in this set of descriptions I have here, they refer to it as the Egyptian goddess Hathor. But if you know anything yeah. about Isis and Hathor, there's a lot of crossover on those two goddesses. They both wear the same crown. So mm-hmm. take that as you mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. Interesting enough is Paul Foster Case talks about the water, the robe, and the, the way it, it flows out. And in more than one occasion, it's described as the waters that will be seen throughout the rest of the major arcana and tarot. Mm-hmm. That, that is, yeah. you know, she that. is that energy that goes literally through. And, of course, the immediate one is it goes into the empress in the river behind her, you know, whatever. But it is truly the waters which are, you know, are unconscious, the waters that are there all the way through this this whole process. She waters, she sends the waters out, and I'm just like, I love that. And it stuck with me for, you know, a long time and got reactivated when I read that. I'm going, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But. Yeah, and the, the columns that she sits between um, are biblical, in supposedly, in nature, right? They were two copper, brass, or bronze, it's unknown, that were believed to have been the entryway to Solomon's temple, uh, which originally was in Jerusalem, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these um, mercy and severity is what these stand for. So she stands between these two pillars. She, she doesn't stand. She sits. 
between these two mm-hmm. pillars. And there is something interesting also about sitting. In the magician, we see that he is standing at the altar. And here she mm-hmm. stands between the, these two pillars. She sits between these two pillars. Um, there is something interesting and spiritually significant between the difference of standing and sitting in ritual. Mm -hmm. And I won't go too deep into that because every spiritual system has their own beliefs around it, but there is some stuff there to look at. There is some that you could go deep into just looking at the differences between standing and sitting and what Mm -hmm. they mean in ritual. And this goes for Christianity, for Judaism and for Wicca. There is some things around sitting and standing. Right. Right. And it, she sits on a cube, um, and mm-hmm. that, of course, is one of the platonic solids uh, that are talked about in great legs in esoteric magic. But, you know, it is uh, a structure in which the creation of a certain amount of power is stored. So um, yeah. I found that, you know, because... It's, it, there are certain things that you see in symbolism throughout the, the major arcana, and you just have to, you know, you kind of watch uh, the process. Obviously, um, a long time ago in a land far, far away, when I learned that, you know, she has her foot on the uh, crescent moon, is that she has, can, and it would be the left foot, which is actually the unconscious, is that she is she mm-hmm. is still controlling the aspect of the moon and its flexibilities and, you know, um, movement at all times, but without activity, without an action, it's just there. Yeah. 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 The other thing that can be overlooked is behind the pomegranate and palm fabric, there are, there's something back there. And Mm -hmm. many believe that it, that it's water. It's, uh, there's more mm-hmm. water showing up in this card. Mm-hmm. Um, and that she is the guard of esoteric mysteries. She is the guard of going into the other world and stepping into behind that curtain is probably the sea, which takes you to the depths of the unconscious and the depths of emotion and all of these things that we connect to divination, really. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it, I feel like this. there's just so much extra about this card oh also um the, it as we move ahead and we get to the empress card the empress wears a dress made of this same fabric that we see here in the curtain mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so there mm-hmm. is something there about the balance of the of the high priestess and the empress and how they relate to each other right right and you know as we start to look at the the um and this is the different decks. We're talking about the Rider deck. The Paul Foster case is actually a pretty close arrangement on this. Looks a little more esoteric on some things. Um, but if you look at the more the ones that I work with, the Witches Tarot, and you work with a more pagan deck, and you know, so there is a sense here that they start moving. But I have always noticed that with the High Priestess, she is always part of this. Keep her the crossroads, you know. She's she's between mm-hmm. the subliminal world and you know the liminal aspect. We're between, you know. She's standing there, and and the veil is, you know, it's funny because if you look at it, it is not a completely concealing veil. It just is right. 
feels like more like a symbolic veil. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's another one of those. You take a look and see. And even the number two, they <laughs> I noticed that in the writer deck, they actually use the Roman, the Roman numerals, so it looks like yes. the two pillars, but connected. It does. Yeah, it totally does. And even the placement, you know, in the card, the Roman numerals on the writer weight deck are right in the center at the very top of the card. And just so happens because of the artwork, this also stands right between the two pillars symmetrically. So, it, you know, and I don't feel like any of that was done by accident. Correct. Correct. And, you know, there's so much more you know, when you look at these. And, again, when you start looking at other decks and the symbolism they have, it's you're drawn to a deck. You feel you really want to get to this deck, and it's it's me. But then you start looking at the symbolism and where it stands in how it's mutated to where it is now. It doesn't make it less. It just is – it translates. And just like the placement here – in one of the decks, um, well, in the uh, Paul Foster Pace deck, it's actually below, underneath, technically, the masculine pillar, and then the, um, which we'll get to later after the, the, the uh, break, um, the Hebrew letter Gimel, which is camel, is underneath the feminine pillar. So I feel yeah. that even there, there's a placement for reasoning that you would look at and say, ah. Oh, Yep. Shut up so we can go to the the commercial. So, yeah, we should probably take our break. Yeah, and then when we come back, I would love to talk about Sister Manfreda. Okay. <laughs> All right. I will. We'll be back. Yes, we will do that. <laughs> real, okay. real quick. Touche Quilla Lamb sale. Hang on. Okay. All right. Well, that was fun. Yes, it was. It was. <laughs> I totally amazed by the whole process. <laughs> yeah, good time. Okay, so go for what you you absolutely feel you need to to charge into right now, darling. Okay, so in my research for this, I came across. Uh, it is likely in the Visconti Taros deck, which is one of the really old 
decks that comes from Italy, and it, you know it's one of those that they, that may be an originator of tarot to to begin with. You know we don't know that for sure, but it's it's a very old deck. Um, historians, tarot historians, fascinating that there are tarot historians, but there are tarot historians who believe that La Papessa in the Visconti deck is a very specific person named Sister Manfreda. And there's, there's enough evidence that many folks believe that this is true. Uh, and she was a nun who was a relative of the Visconti family. So that's, you know, pretty interesting. Um, she was elected Pope, but it was a heretical line of Catholicism. So, you know, whatever the hell that means, uh, I guess not officially recognized by the Catholic church, but a different, faction of it uh what's interesting is she um she died in milan where is the date she in the 1200s this is in the 1200s but her followers the people who were her her minions believed that she was the reincarnation or the physical incarnation because i'm i'm guessing catholics don't actually believe in reincarnation of the holy spirit and and I just learned this recently because, you know, don't have a Catholic background in my life, but it's believed that, oh, the Holy Spirit is the feminine of the triple God aspect. Okay. The Holy Spirit is feminine. And it was believed that she had been prophesied by this Joachim of Flora. I don't know who that person is, but this was a, a prophet. And they believed that she was going to come to earth on the Feast of Pentecost and that the male-dominated role of Pope was going to go away, and that she would bring, a lot, uh, bring to birth a new line of female popes, and that this was going to change the very face of how people worshipped. Um, and to prepare, so they thought that this was going to happen at a very specific date, so they decided that Sister Manfreda was going to be the first of these popes, based on all of the... Um, prophecies and all and the family that she came from and and how devout she was and all these things and mm-hmm. and and her family spent a ton of money to try to get her to be able to speak mass in Rome um however this didn't come to be and the inquisition destroyed this whole sect of believers and um the popes i i don't believe it was sister manfreda but it could have been was burned at the stake in the year 1300. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Fascinating. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Now we just have to know where the re, um, reincarnation of this process can actually right. happen. That would be a real right. like, revolution of, of ideas and experiences. God, I like that. Yeah. I do. Yeah, it's so fascinating. I mean, burning people at the stake just bums me out to no end. I could go on, but why Why make us feel sad? But it's just so ridiculous. Like, you are so fearful of someone else's heresy that you have to kill them? Like, if, if you think what they believe is fake, if you think what they believe is false, then you should just laugh. Like, oh, those dummies, they're not going to heaven. No sucks to be them, yeah. but but you have to kill them to prove that you're right? Ugh, it makes me crazy. What humans do to each other? Anyway, back to the high priest. 
the high priestess, <laughs> taking the high road with the high priestess. Um, yeah. Yeah, really, is that in in the uh, more esoteric point of reference, Gimel, being the third letter of the Hebrew alphabet, is camel. And, of course, camel is uh, for travel and, and commerce and communication and then brings people together. And, you know, but ultimately it is the ship of the desert, which I thought was really great. And, of course, the hump is like the crescent moon. And so the the, the connection between that and the high priestess and, you know, she is that which basically sits on the water, you know, not only is the water, but sits with the, 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 uh, the knowledge um, in her lap of what is to come. But I have to also say that they can get a little bit more, you know, masculine about how they describe why this association is there, but it's okay. I, you know, I forgive them. I'm big. I can do that. But, um, and of course, you know, they give it an intelligence called the uniting intelligence. So, you know, they have the sense that a camel unites different groups of people by its traveling process. It, it carries things here and there. So I figured I'd throw that in just quickly as a as an esoteric sidebar than the actual meanings of the things and and you know we can even go into what the divination is of it. So I will now yeah to you and shut up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So in a traditional sense, when this card comes up, it's associated according to um, and his book about how to read these cards and what he believes this card is related to. So take all of this with a grain of salt. This is one dude's opinion. Uh, this card is about secrets and mystery. This is about a future that has not yet revealed itself to you. Um, if it's, if the querent is a woman, um, it could be the querent. If it's a male, it could be someone who's interested in the querent. I hate that, by the way, but whatever. Um, it can mm-hmm. also represent silence and mystery, um, tenacity, which I find interesting, wisdom and science. Uh, mm-hmm. And then if it's in reverse, which, again, I will probably say this on every episode of our tarot series, I don't read reversals, but in reversed position, it's passion, conceit, and surface knowledge without the depth of wisdom. Uh, and all that is fascinating um that's weight's mm-hmm. belief on it and mm-hmm. for the most part i think that holds true for many people's modern interpretations but it's usually the divine feminine or the subconscious mind i think is where most right. modern readers take this card what would mm-hmm. you say to that how do you read this card well um it's again it's you know it's got wisdom inner knowledge um, intuition, uh, but it also is an initiation. This is the, the stepping into mm-hmm. an initiatory process. Um, definitely uh, lunar magic and lunar energies because of all of the, the wonderful um, symbology and a certain amount of neutrality because she is neither one nor the other. She is in between, and she represents mm-hmm. the maiden of the trinity, and I thought it fascinating as well that, you know, in terms of, and again, we throw in goddesses, you know, as, you know, uh, association would obviously be Artemis Diana and Persephone uh, and some of the others that are um, 
more virginal, quote, uh, not one unto themselves is more of a way to put it. Uh, I I tend to look at it as a, a reflective card, you know, like, hi, you've got to kind of do a little reflective work here. You, you know, it's not about charging forth yet, that kind of a thing. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, it, it um, it's fascinating because to me, uh, even the different uh, representations, I just think of it, wow, you know. And each card has a representation of either a sign or the planet. And this, of course, you know, strange as it may seem, it's the moon as much as it is mm-hmm. anything else. She is the moon. Yeah. So it, it depends on, and again, all these cards all depend on if you take one card out and use it, then it's a singular representation and you work with that energy. If you're doing it where you're doing more than one card, you need to realize that each card, like a sentence, builds on itself and has meaning and then you need to be able to, once it comes out and it, it sort of starts making the sentence for you, you need to follow what this part is in reference to the whole sentence. So, um, right. I I kind of, you know, it's not like go be virginal and chaste. And it's interesting because one of the things Paul Foster Case constantly refers to is this is part of the Hakati Trinity, which I felt, you know, when I reread that, I never remembered mm-hmm. reading it. So it was kind of like, wow, <laughs> right. you know. Right. Not that I didn't know about it later when I, you know, but it was like I don't remember this being part of, what I started to learn at the beginning. So. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so she's she's a very um, she's a very empowering card because it's sit and be quiet and be with yourself and your own your you know that power that internal process first is how I read it mm-hmm. a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, as I was saying at the beginning, you know, I always look at her as this, like, guardian that stands at your path, and I think, you know, it's it's looking at this, are you ready to see what's behind the veil? Because it's here now mm-hmm. for you. It's available for you. The deeper mm-hmm. mystery is available, and whatever the other cards are related to may give information on what that mystery is or what it's in relationship to or what along the path is hindering or helping you to get to this answer. Um, mm-hmm. And when it's a yes or no question, and I'm only pulling one card, I take this as a maybe or an ask again later, or it is uncertain, you know, cause I don't, I don't find the high priestess to be a clear yes or a clear no. It's both. Right. At least for me. Right. <laughs> it can be frustrating for someone who's asking the question like a client or even ourselves. It's like, well, couldn't you give me more? But um, I, I have always felt it's it's funny because when I look at this card, and I, I have been, you know, when we've been talking, a bit, I've got it up in front of me. And I also have the, the card that I use, the deck that I use. And um, true to being a pagan, more pagan point of reference, the, the, the high priestess is a little bit more busty. And she has more of a revealing, it's not that she's sexy, it's just she's not afraid to show she's a female. Whereas in this card, she is totally clothed 
And um, if there were a veil that could be put over her face, she would wear it. It's that it's very veiled. It's a lot about being veiled. Yeah. So um, yeah. I take that also as when the card was designed and who and why they were designing it and off of what principles. But again, it's about the tarot decks as you go. You know, as you go. I always think of the writer as writer weight deck as an excellent base start yeah me too. but I, I yeah. feel that there is so much more that has developed as we have grown um and as the industry that make that the people that make and design and and come up with these have brought forth uh yeah. that it's you know it becomes much more personal to where you are in your journey but that's why you and i both have tons of tarot decks Right. Yeah, because yeah. for me, it's not, you know, I, I read one deck and I, uh, my deck is missing right now, which is kind of freaking me out, but I know it'll show up. I took it to PantheaCon and I had a tea and tarot day and I kept it aside because I didn't want anyone else reading with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember packing it all up and putting it in the same space, but my other decks, my loner decks are put away. And my actual deck that I read with is not. I can't find it. I don't know where it is. So I've been reading with the Rider Weight deck for my clients because that's my that's my original old school deck that when I mm-hmm. when I need mm-hmm. a break or when my cards are being cleansed and I don't have another deck handy, I read the Rider Weight deck. But I have probably two dozen decks, which really isn't that much for some folks that I've met. <laughs> if you've ever been to any Bay the Bay Area Tarot Symposium or any other tarot conference or anything there are some hardcore serious collectors of tarot cards out there who have hundreds of decks but I only have a couple dozen but I find them and I find them so beautiful because I have lots of Venus in my chart I like pretty things and then I want to have the pretty thing and but I don't necessarily connect to it as a form of divination I just connect to it as a form of art and then it goes in this basket that I use for classes that so people I can share that these beautiful things with with other people. Uh, but mm-hmm. I have my one deck that I like, the one deck that I communicate with, the one deck that I have a really deep understanding, and it's not um, super traditional. There's some untraditional things about it, uh, and I use those non-traditional things because that's it's more in alignment with how I work as a spiritual person. Um, so mm-hmm. it's very personal. And the high priestess in my deck, she's standing at a stone circle. It's very druid-based, mm-hmm. the deck I use. So she's in a stone circle, and she's very um, kind of thin and, and fey almost looking. In the, you know, if you've ever read any books about, um, like, ancient England or uh, any of the isles, the British isles of the, the older people, who the small, dark people who lived on the island before most of the invasions happened. She looks very much like that. She's small and dark. Um, and it's, it's very different. The, the card in general is much darker than other mm-hmm. decks that I've seen, where it tends to be a pretty light card, a very lit card, you know. Uh, yes. So, yeah. you know, the, the artwork should speak to you. And, and each of the high priestesses looks slightly different, and they're going to have a slightly different message because of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, it's, um, it's fascinating because I have a lot of oracle decks, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, I, 
I don't, I relate so completely to the tarot, and I, I believe that it is, it, it's like this is the big book, and yet all these other beautiful oracle decks and, and different things which I have had and used or played with or like you, they're beautiful, so I want them, um, and I get them. <laughs> but the point is yeah. that it's the tarot that talks to me the most and is the thing that is the best tool for me to use to help others. Um, I don't use it to help me because, quite frankly, I am too biased for the knowledge that is in it to really be valuable to me. But as a meditational tool, yes, but not as a divinatory tool. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it becomes, and, you know, when you have to retire your decks, because at a certain point, some, when you've used them a lot, will be at a point where that's what you need to do because it's, it's kind of like a time to, you know, either release them completely from the, the physical plane or retire them as, you know, so be in pasture and enjoy the beauty of being out there kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. I find it interesting that... Um, different ones come to you uh, over the yes, years. Absolutely. But um the card itself, I you know, it's it's always been one of those that is so mysterious, it's so great. That's <laughs> how I mm-hmm. look at it. Yeah. Yeah. So but um you know, cuz the different cards in the arcana, major arcana are uh some of them are more intense because they are requiring more action, more energy, more engagement with it. This one just makes you go, okay, I'll just sit here with my, my uh, cloak and, and I will I will be present for what needs to come. And mm-hmm. Right. Kind of so, yep. Anyway, that's yeah. my point of reference. Well, and on that note, we should probably start wrapping it up with the High Priestess. Um, and looking down the road here, we'll be back next Friday. We're going to talk about the Empress, which we talked about briefly on this call. So, ooh, there was a little lead in there. That's exciting. Uh, yeah. And then towards the end of March, we're going to have another Ask a Witch episode. As we mentioned, we're doing this series on the trail, but there will be some other episodes in there on holidays and ask which episodes and other fun things so uh, stay tuned for that but if you have a question if there's something you'd love to hear us banter about if there's a topic you're interested in hearing our opinions on uh, if you are dealing with a personal situation and would love some witchcraft assistance please do write to us you can go to our website which is at which priestesscauldron.com and there's a easy little form to fill out to submit your question and we will see what we can do about getting that question answered on the show we don't get to all the questions don't be sad if we don't get to yours uh, we do our best to get to as many as we can mm-hmm. definitely and um, just be persistent and if it's time sensitive that's one of the things that we have had um because of our show being the kind of show that seems to have evolved, 
uh, we might not get to it when it might be needed. So be aware right. that if it is time sensitive, it may be we ha- you have to do it, you know, by connecting with one of us in, you know, terms of a private consultation um, because of that. But uh, otherwise, please send us the questions. We love having things to go on journeys with and conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That's we will so be, and I guess that's it. I feel, I mean, I think we've, you know, all the things. We, we, we have we said all the things that we need to say. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely, um, it's kind of interesting. I was just, yeah, I was looking at the cards. I have, I used for a very long time the Hanson Roberts deck, and she's much more, um, I don't know, she has more color. She has, you know, the red, she she actually has a red um, hair wrap part of her uh, crown that makes, I kid you not, I didn't realize this until I'm putting the cards away, it makes it look like, you know how the pomegranate has that, they usually like what you're seeing is they have the, the outer shell and everything. It actually makes her look like she's got a pomegranate face, which is interesting. Mm. Yeah, that's I don't interesting. mean that exactly, but um, it's much more colorful, uh, you know, than the others. But it's also smaller. I think a lot of my clients yeah. love that because I like playing cards, <laughs> whereas the others are different sizes, so. But it's journey, and hopefully, you know, finding a deck will be something that each person out there either has one or they they look for one, and and, uh, it will talk to you, definitely. But this is a great, great moment in time for us to to do our our fare thee wells and uh, walk into the the external world, and it will be uh, fun. Next next week with the Empress, she's definitely yep. a much more <clears throat> voluptuous woman, and you know has more <laughs> yeah. intensity. So, yeah. not that I don't yeah. think the High Priestess has got her own special, but it's the, the energies that it's talking about. That being yeah. said, I think we yeah. can we can bid a a fond fairly well. Yes. Have a beautiful week, and we'll talk to you later. Definitely. See you later. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron, a radio podcast on the LMC Radio Network. Our podcast airs live every Friday at 6 p.m. Pacific and will be available for download. Questions or comments on this show or ideas for upcoming shows can be sent to our website, and that's at www.witchpriestesscauldron.com. Again, that's witchpriestesscauldron.com. On behalf of Elvira, Phoenix, Alan, 
and myself, Gwion Raven, a big merry meet and merry part and merry meet again. Blessed be.